Warning, this show contains childish adult content and is intended for immature, mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views spoken are hours and hours alone, not those of any other bugger. If you're easily offended, we strongly suggest finding another podcast. Everybody neat and pretty, then on with the show. Hello there, dear listener, and welcome to Diz After Dark. Uh, I'm Nick, and I'm alone uh, when I record this. Uh, and happy Easter, because this episode comes out on Easter, uh, Easter Sunday. The problem, though, is that I've just realised saying that means that I've dated this episode, because you could be listening to this on Easter Sunday, or Easter Monday, or in six months' time, or in six years' time. I've got no idea. So that's a bit pointless. So um, whenever you're listening to it, Hope you're having a good day. Uh, this is the second part of our interview with Jim Hill. We split the episode up because it was an extremely long uh, episode as it stood, and we felt it would be better suited to chop it down into size for you. So hopefully you've already listened to the first part of the interview. If you haven't, stop this episode, go and listen to that episode, and then come back to this one, and uh, you'll be well-versed. So this is the only introduction. Um, we're going to go straight into the episode after a word from our sponsors so uh, thank you for downloading thank you for listening if you haven't already like us subscribe to us um, you'll get the episodes as soon as they become available if you do that um, thank you for your support on patreon um, and enjoy this episode thank you howdy this after dark listeners toy story land is opening up at hollywood studios on june 30th book now for some great summer deals and to see what's new Take a ride on the Slinky Dog Dash coaster, ride the alien swirling saucers with the kiddos, enjoy a new third track on Toy Story Mania, and grab a bite to eat at Woody's Lunchbox. Remember, if you book with me, I'll take care of your dining reservations, fast passes, and create a personalized itinerary just for you and your family. Mention this ad to get $25 off your deposit. Reduce stress by letting me do the planning for you. I make the plans, you make the memories. Find me at WPMagicJourneys.com and on social media at WPMagicJourneys. Is After Dark Podcast is sponsored by HHNUnofficial.com, the home of Halloween Horror Nights news and rumors all year round. Find us on the web at www.HHNUnofficial.com. So stop the fog machines and clear the cobwebs. It's time for another episode of the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. Um, so uh, another thing, and uh, I'm going to move on in a second to another point that uh, P-Dubs wanted to talk about. But uh, just one last thing I wanted to ask about the, uh, the studios. Um, was the Galaxy's Edge, and we've talked—you know—you you talked about it a bit, the, the California version and um, the, the Disney World version. But 
one thing that you know because we weren't really expecting I, I think Disneyland Paris fans were kind of hoping for a version of it but none of us were really expecting it and certainly not expecting it to be announced uh, so far but to be honest the plans um, and again we talked about how they do try and keep things a, a bit secretive um, but the plans they do look they don't give too much away and especially the scale um, mm. I would have thought uh, because of how big Arendelle looks like it's going to be um, and how much money the whole project's going to cost I would have thought it might be a smaller um, version of the the other two but I mean do you happen to know any more on that? No you give anything in fact you know one of the things you guys have uh, is the absolute blessing of you know where they're going to place this will allow them as opposed to what's happening in Anaheim and Orlando. And again, we remember we mentioned that they're hiding in plain sight is a third expansion pad, pad for another attraction. They're deliberately laying out Batu at Walt Disney Studios Paris in such a way that, you know, <laughs> there's three or four rides that they could do further on down the line. Uh, you know, that they, you know, they, they will not make the mistake of boxing themselves in uh, you know, it, it, it will still have a commonality with the design. You will still have uh, a marketplace that is full of dog leg alleys that you have to wander down and explore and, you know, that sort of thing. But, uh, no, you guys are getting the good one. Uh, in <laughs> fact, you, uh, what's kind of interesting is you're going to get the version that solves the problem, the big problem um, that they have in both Anaheim and California, uh, or excuse me, uh, Anaheim and, and Orlando. I, have you heard what they're planning on doing with Batu? I mean, the whole, you know, in much the same way, you know, when you go to, you know, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and you go into uh, the Hogshead Tavern and you say, I'd like a Coke, they look at you, you know, like, I, what is this Coke you speak of? Um, or Pepsi. Uh, no, we don't do that here. You can get gilly water. You can get fire whiskey. You can get butterbeer. Would you want cold butterbeer? Do you want warm butterbeer? But it's world consistent beverages. It's world consistent food. Um, you can get, you know, your Quidditch equipment, that sort of thing. But you don't get standard theme park stuff. You know, you don't get the T-shirt. You don't get, you know, the, you, you know, you can get the coffee mug, but it's a coffee mug for for Gryffindor, you know, that sort of thing. The thing of Batu is the idea that when you go to the marketplace and you go into, a, say, the toy shop, uh, and you want, you know, and you look at the stuff that's up on the wall. You, you, you know, for example, there'll be a, uh, a an Atta, you know, that, but but the Atta looks like. Somebody in the marketplace actually made it out of scrap metal that they collected. You know, that it, it looks handcrafted. It looks hammered together. Mm. It's not plastic. It's not from Kenner. All right? And and this is the thing. You know, if you go to look into Batu and, like, you know, I'd like my T-shirt of, you know, uh, you know uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. The, the, the merchants who... And remember, you know, the whole conceit of... of you know, Batu is that the merchants live over the stores. I mean, the the staff is the family that lives upstairs that comes down and runs the store. Um, they're going to look like, at you like you're crazy. That you know, what do you mean you want a t-shirt? What is this t-shirt? And what ended up happening is that um, that's actually one of the reasons why in Florida, for example, you're going to have Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, but you're also they're also going to keep 
Star Tours up and running. The attraction is just sort of a standalone. And, and one of the reasons they're doing that is, is it, I keep forgetting, it's not Endor Vendors, is it Tatooine Traders? I think it's Tatooine Traders. Tatooine Traders, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's going to be, the, if you want a t-shirt, that's the store you go to. And luckily, it's just like 150 feet up the street. Uh, in Anaheim, you know, it looks like the if you're going to want to get, you know, the the standard steampark fair stuff, you're going to have to ha- hike all the way back to Tomorrowland. Um, whereas what's nice about what you're going to have at Walt Disney Studios Paris is you're going to have the equivalent of, you know, at the outskirts, you know, uh, you're almost going to have a border crossing you know conceit you know the whole notion of you know there'll be a, a you know a, a store off to the side where you can get your passport stamped and you know that sort of thing before you enter batu and here they will be able to blend the retail component the stuff that's not you know built on the planet uh the stuff that traders aren't bringing in from planets but the actual stuff that that theme park fans want will be right outside in properly staged, properly in a, in a way that makes sense that so you have a a transition. I am because face it, you know, for example, from Disneyland, you know, if you're you're going into the Rebel Encampment, you know, the area where they have uh, those uh, this full size X wings built, and uh, you know, then you get to hang out with BB-8. But, but you you enter that through Critter Country, you know. You, so you go from you know, "Hi, I'm a singing rabbit" to "Hi, I'm a Wookie," you know. And it's just sort of like, oh, okay, I, I, okay, I guess they're both furry. Good, all right, this works. Um, but yeah, that that that's it, it, you're going to have so much better transitions. Uh, in fact, that what's kind of interesting is that I guess they're already talking about. Uh, how the forests of Arendelle will give way to uh, the the redwoods that you see in just outside of the marketplace for uh, for Batu. So, um, but yeah, you, you're going to get the good version. You know, you know, they have learned so much uh, from Orlando. They've learned so much from Anaheim, and you know, it's. It's been kind of a rough process. Uh, they still think they're going to turn out a top quality product that is going to uh, kick a certain boy wizard's ass. Um, but, but again, you know that they, they, they having built it, having designed it, they are the Imagineers are really anxious to make a you know the third time is the charm that they're going to be <laughs> really good. So, so a border crossing or a galaxy's edge. You be the judge. Um, P-dubs I know there were a few yeah. questions that you wanted to uh, ask Jim so I'm going to throw the ball over to you sir yeah but I, I want to stick in a, the same sort of area of, of the studios park um, and talk about the, the new lake um, that they're putting in that's going to sit in front of Arendelle and kind of adjacent to, to Galaxy's Edge is there anything you can tell us about that Jim? Well, you know, what does Disney do with lakes? Um, gee, you know, could that perhaps be a place where a, a nighttime entertainment would be presented? You know, I, I, I would be shocked, shocked, I tell you. Uh, yeah, that's it. it you're, you're pretty much looking at the where World of Colors slash 
windows on the world attraction. I, and again, you know, what I love about that is in the, 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 the truly evil Disney way, um, the place where you're going to see your nighttime entertainment is so far deep back in the park. And remember, you, you have to wait till it gets dark to watch these things that you have to hike out of the entire park, basically, to, to get back out to your hotel or, you know, where your car parked is that sort of thing. You know, we're going to walk by every goddamn store in that theme park. Um, so, yes, you, you, you smart of it to zero into the lake because that that is a big feature. Um and, and, and in fact, uh, I want to say the show that they boarded, uh, they've, they've got this interesting effect that they, they, they're trying to do, uh, where basically as you're watching the show, but the problem is you have to have a little height to see this. They want to do the moment where Elsa from the first frozen film, uh, you know, puts her foot down in the lake and it freezes over. Um, they would love to do that as part of the show and, and, you know, sort of have her race across the leg. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a big part of the, uh, entertainment venue uh, or the venue at night, uh, daytime. Uh, you know, I, I think there's, there's been some talk about, uh, you know, the nice thing is that this is Arendelle Harbor. So you, there might be a few, uh, you know, trimasted ships, you know, again, you have to understand we are still in that window where the Imagineers, uh, you know, this is what we want to build. And then, you know, they begin to budget, you know, how much the attraction is going to cost, how much the, and yet again, you know, how much is the post-show retail space going to cost? You know, what do we need for our queue? What do we need, you know, and things start to fall off the table. So, uh, you know, they'd love to have the ships that, you know, sold you the idea that it's the harbor. Uh, but at the same time, they also want to have great sight lines at the when it comes to be nighttime when they're doing their, you know, world of color windows in the world thing. Uh, so it'll it'll be interesting to see what actually ends up in there as as sort of set decoration. I, I don't think it'll quite be as blank as, say, the Black Lake is at uh, Universal Studios Japan. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, at the, when you go to that that park and you see their Hogwarts castle, you know, beautifully reflected in the black lake. Uh, yeah, that's that there's a lot of pictures out there. So. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think we kind of have to talk about Arendelle cause we've not really looked at it in detail. It, there seems to be from the, the artwork and we've discussed it. There seems to be kind of two major buildings as part of it. And, uh, we were wondering what's actually going to be going into this land. Are we going to see Frozen Ever After, a version of that? Or is it going to be something new that we see? All right. I can tell you flat out there will be basically uh, a version of the Royal Summerhouse uh, that was built at Epcot. You will have a meet and greet uh, with both Anna and Elsa. It'd be uh, very much the same setup. You're going to have uh, multiple versions of the princesses uh, in the same space so they can get that many people through there an hour. Um, right now, they keep going back and forth as to whether or not they want a ride-through experience uh, versus a, a theater show. Um, I think, honestly, 
on the heels of uh, what just happened with uh, Frozen on Broadway, uh, suddenly I think people are really starting to think maybe a ride-through experience is better. Um, but yeah, the uh, it's all about hourly capacity, uh, especially with Frozen. Uh, now, my, I have to tell you, there is some concern um, because honestly, again, um, this is going to take a while to build. And the fear is that, you know, all of the Marvel stuff will be up and running by 2020. Uh, I'm hearing that Batu is 2021, 2022, and, and Frozen may get kicked down the road because, again, it's the furthest out and there's the lake with the nighttime show. That may be 2023, 2024. Uh, in fact, uh, I... Uh, especially I think my understanding is they want to have Batu open no later than 2022 because of course that's you know the anniversary of the park's opening uh, you know they'd love to have that to bow for the, the 30th anniversary um, on the other hand you know the fear is that if Arendelle doesn't kick open its doors till 2023-2024 and we have our Frozen 2 coming out uh next november that's five years four years five years um and what if frozen has actually blown itself out at that point what if it's no longer you know disney's billion dollar princess franchise um you know so it's kind of controversial within imagineering you know the whole notion of is frozen still going to be a thing at that point um, and you know, cause realistically, you know, <laughs> look, when you finished watching the first frozen, were there, you know, did you, you know, turn the thing off or walk out of the theater? Go, I have so many unanswered questions. Um, you know, it's, it's a Disney princess movie and they yeah. sang and they were happy. All right. I, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I, I enjoyed the shorts. I enjoyed the holiday special, but you know, this isn't a world that I'm, you know, it's not, you know, the end of empire. You know, I don't What do you mean? He's you're his father. You know, what happened to his hand? You know, you got to answer these questions. It's, it's a fairy tale princess. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't think it's got the longevity. I remember, um, I remember with all the hype when they released that frozen, was it frozen fever? Was yeah. the first thing they did, mm-hmm. uh, yep. and they stuck it in front of Cinderella. Um, mm-hmm. and there was all this big hype about it, and I remember watching it, and uh, and I quite I liked Frozen when it came out. It was it was a pleasant yeah. surprise. I didn't think Frozen is interesting. You talked about Coco earlier because Frozen and Coco both um, to me mm-hmm. ended up with uh, started with the same problem, which they mm-hmm. suffered from what I I like to call crap trailer syndrome, mm-hmm. in that. In, in, with Frozen, you had that terrible um, trailer with um, Sven and Olaf fighting mm-hmm. over a carrot, and in Coco, you had the same with uh, is it is Diego the dog and and oh the bone. Oh my god, you're right. And the wow, thing is, the neither, same damn trailer. Well, not only is it the same trailer, but neither one of those trailers actually gives you anything to have any concept of what that film's going to be about and so i saw the trailer i remember when that trailer came out for frozen um mm-hmm. and i think it was i can't remember what the fro- the pixar film was that year but 
it was attached to that. Um, and uh, I remember we watched it, and I said, oh, I think this could be the first Disney film we avoid. And it was it, it was coming out just after a few months um, after my, my daughter was born. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, it might have been Monsters University. But anyway, it doesn't matter. But it was like, you know what? I think this is going to be the first Disney film for a long time I'm going to actively avoid seeing at the cinema. It just looks terrible. Like The comedy looks really off. And then you watch Frozen, and it's got good songs, and it's got good jokes, and it's it's done like a a, a, a kind of full-on Broadway production in a lot of ways, and it was just really good. And Coco, again, was an absolute joy when you actually saw the film, but both of them suffered from these really crappy first trailers. But everyone got wrapped up in this Frozen uh, fever, um, and this kind of hysteria around it, but I'm already seeing kids getting bored of it like um my wife took my daughter to go and see it's in the uk we didn't Mm. get coco until this year so when coco got released in america that same weekend they re-released frozen and stuck the olaf short at the front Ooh. okay so my wife um took my daughter and some of her friends from school they all went to see Frozen at the cinema just to see the Olaf short. Um, mm-hmm. And they didn't charge you full price, so it was like a cheap uh, ticket out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my wife said she wasn't impressed, and, and they released it on DVD a few weeks later because um, mm-hmm. we weren't getting it shown on TV here till after Christmas. Um, and I've still not seen it. My, my child sat for it, you know, quite a, a lot of times, but she's already started to get bored of it, and now she's more interested in watching Moana. Then she mm-hmm. is frozen, and yeah, maybe um, a second film will kind of spark that interest. But Frozen's had a film; um, it's had a, a, a short, a short short, and then a, a, a longer short. Um, and now a Broadway musical has just launched this week, and now we're getting the sequel film. But I don't see that it's gonna. I don't think. It's, I, I agree. I don't think it's got the longevity. And when we did that episode about this expansion um when it the day it was announced we recorded as soon as possible um got uh, got the recording out as soon as possible um and that was my takeaway on that is that by the time that it's going to open and it, the thing is even looking at the plans you could see that that was going to be the la- last land to open because it's going to take the most work mm-hmm. it's the, you know the, the late's going to take uh, you know enough time by itself so like you by the time it opens is Frozen still going to be that thing? I, I think it's going to be another princess film. Now, if you do the area, you know, well enough, it will still still draw people in. Oh no doubt, but no doubt. I I, know, I, I think I... the impact has definitely lessened over that time. Well, all right. Uh, let me then <laughs> let me give you a, 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 a slice of the pie that that they're they haven't necessarily talked about yet but that this is actually a concept uh could you have to understand that that uh arendelle uh has been traveling you know that that you know i i don't know if you remember there was a time for example when tokyo disney released plans and they were going to have a you know a full-size version of arendelle uh since has uh, transmuted into a beauty and the beast thing which i think tells you a lot about uh, the Oriental Land Company executives that, you know, that much like you, they were looking at Frozen and was like, well, can you tell me that, you know, in you know five years after we build this, Frozen is still going to be a thing? Whereas 
On the other hand, I can look at Beauty and the Beast, and all right, it was a you know an Academy Award winning animated film. It was a long running Broadway show, and it just they just had this Emma Watson version that made a billion dollars. It's like I think there's going to be an you know an interest in Beauty and the Beast in in five years. So let's switch over to that theming. Um, but on the other hand, for Disneyland, um, you have the Matterhorn. You know, which, you know, think about it, looks vaguely like the mountain from uh, from Frozen. And mm. and there has been a plan for quite some time uh, where at Disneyland they have this defunct attraction, the the motorboat cruise. In fact, uh, now it's the desert, one of the designated few designated smoking areas at the <laughs> Disneyland Park. Uh, but a, a complete waste of real estate. It's also. Uh, an area where the monorail uh, for Disneyland does various loop-de-loops and, you know, that that sort of thing. And it sort of curves in on itself, and which was very cool in the 19, late 1950s, early 1960s when monorails were a brand new thing and, you know, seemed very futuristic. And nowadays the monorail, you know, people who are on the monorail and they're doing that, it's like, yeah, 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 hurry up. I want to get to the park. You know, I, I want to get off this thing. You're a transportation system. You are not a ride. Um, so what Disneyland is looking at doing is uh, over the next couple of years is um, flattening, uh, you know, just ripping out what remains of the uh, uh, the motorboat crews and telling the, the smokers to find someplace else to puff. Uh, taking the monorail track, the, the very elaborate a portion of the monorail track that's there and radically simplifying it, making, I mean, just literally making it into a, you leave the Disneyland hotel, you loop around the park, you do one lap on the mock by the Matterhorn and you get out, you know, and and then we go back and pick up more people at uh, the hotel, especially now that they're building that five-star hotel, uh, you know, right right over the monorail station. So, you know, they now all of the people who are paying big, big bucks to stay at Disneyland are going to be using the same transportation system. So they're not going to find it quite as charming to have an additional two and three minutes on their trip because we were going around again. Um, anyway, so what they're looking to do with this piece of real estate that backs up against a snowbound mountain. Gee, what would fit here? Arendelle. Um, and, you know, so and in fact, what they plan on doing is f- on the side of the Matterhorn that doesn't face into Disneyland, uh, you know, the, the, the part you can see, uh, you know, sort of the classic view of the Matterhorn that you get when you walk in Main Street or you're standing in Tomorrowland or, or you know, the, the like. That's not going to be impacted at all. But the, the side that faces Small World, they're going to build a uh, sort of a forced perspective version of Elsa's Ice Palace. So, you know, the notion is you can stand in the version of Arendelle that they'll build on top of the um, the uh, 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 the old motorboat cruise and look up and see Elsa's Ice Palace. Like, holy cow, I am in Arendelle and I can see where it is. But what they, the genius thing they plan on doing is that, um, uh, you know, they, they have a princess meet and greet and set sort of that fantasy fair section uh, as you walk into Disneyland and just to the the left of the castle they they do meet and greets with with three princesses and it's nice uh but it, it's cute it's undersized it, it it you know they 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 want something bigger and so what they want to do is 
you know, build a sizable castle that you can't necessarily see from Sleeping Beauty Castle. So, you know, you, it's not a question of one upstaging the other. But again, you the, the conceit is you arrive at Arendelle the day that Anna and Elsa have thrown open the doors. And but who else arrives? You know, in fact, they actually take the moment from Frozen where you can see Rapunzel and Flynn Rider walk in. Um, that's what's going on. The Disney princesses have come to Arendelle on the day that Anna and Elsa have thrown open the door. And suddenly you have your super deluxe Disney princess encounter space. You know, so, you know, and they're all there and they're all friendly and you, you know, you can, you know, there's going to be upwards of 10 princesses in the building at any one time. Um, so, you know, it, it's taking the uh, fairy tale hall thing that's done at Walt Disney World in the old Snow White space. Or again, this, the, you know, where you get what, two princesses, you know, or, or they have four princesses at any one time and you can decide which two you're going to see. Um, you know, this, the, this is now the Walmart version of the Disney princesses, <laughs> you know, they're, you know, all princesses all the time. Um, and uh, they, and seriously, you know, that, that you create a, a dining experience, you create a retail experience. Cause if you think about it, there's a giant chunk of real estate there that goes from, uh, you know, from where the motorboat cruise area goes right back to small world. And, you know, it, it. I, it could be an absolutely killer attraction, but this is, um, you know, downside. We are talking about this for Disneyland's 70th anniversary, which again, for those of you who can work the math, 2025, um, you know, and again, <laughs> kind of dependent on uh, if people actually turn out for Frozen 2, because you have to be able to justify putting that much steel and concrete in the ground. But uh, at least in Anaheim, the belief is that, um, you know, you're, you know, people really do like to see the Disney princesses and we can all put them in one place. But again, you know, because, the, you know, in much the same way as, you know, Hong Kong gets its Avengers headquarters or excuse me, shield headquarters. And you guys are getting not a clone, but your own version of that same attraction. Uh, that's also supposedly one of the things that's going to be. Uh, fun about, you know, Arendelle at Walt Disney Studios Paris, that they will, in addition to being able to see Anna and Elsa, that, hey, the other Disney princesses, you know, came by and you want to meet with them. So, uh, you know, again, you know, lots of ways to make sure that people walk all the way to the back of the park and then, you know, walk as they walk out past every store, past every restaurant. I, 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 that that sounds to me like the worst Disney idea I've heard in a long time. Um, well, I, it, like I I I'm not, I don't I don't know where you stand on this, but I I hate that rumor that um, Rapunzel and Flynn are there, and there's a couple of other princesses that are, are there. Like I can see them in the film. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that the character models aren't there, but I yep. that's what I take them to be character models that have just been reused, I don't take them as they're there for a logistical reason. <laughs> and there's a thing there's a thing at the moment, I don't know if you've seen this, in fact I don't know if anyone what? else on the podcast has seen this, but the, the trailer for Wreck-It Ralph 2, mm-hmm. the last scene of that, where they're playing the uh, the game where they, they've got to feed the bunny, mm-hmm. and there's a little girl playing, uh, watching this on her tablet, 
um, and everyone is convinced it's Moana because oh. it's the same. It's the same model. Now, I had a row with somebody a few weeks ago on a Facebook group because it seems to be a hobby of mine. Because I said, "You got to remember, like that that child is driving in a car as a as a small child across a bridge." Moana never left the island. Okay, I, I look. I, I get what you're saying, and from a character consistency point of view, um, you're you're most likely right. You know, I, but I will tell you, as with friends who are animators who spend five and six years at a time working on these movies, um, they do put that stuff in there. Sometimes it's just to entertain them. Mm. Sometimes it's just so they can, you know. I mean, again, you weren't, you know, that when they originally did that. You know, they didn't think that, okay, that's going to be the image they pull for the, the commercial. It was just like, he, 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 I'm being sneaky. I got Moana into Wreck-It Ralph, too. Um, you know, or, and, and again, baby Moana. And, you know, you put a different T-shirt on her and nobody knows. Um, yeah, I mean, look, if you watch, for example, Prep and Landing, the... Uh, the holiday special, the German mm. shepherd that you see in the first like 30 seconds of that thing that, that, you know, that's bolt, you know, they just took the bolt model and oh painted it to look like a, God, a real German shepherd. Yeah. I've seen, so, I've seen that short a lot. So I yeah. have picked up on that. Yeah. No, I mean, it'll look, but again, you see that the, there's the stuff that is animators doing it to a amuse themselves or b we're, you know, uh, <laughs> our budget is tight and can you recycle some models? Um, I, I, but then something like, um, you know, Flynn Rider and, and Rapunzel being in, you know, in the crowd going into Arendelle, that was a story choice. That was actually, you know, the notion that, you know, well, look, you had the Duke of Weaselton, so they would have obviously sent out an invitation to other royals, and, you know, Rapunzel's family probably made the list. But, but again, given that it's not a, a face-forward shot, uh, given that it happens so quickly, they don't make a big deal about it. But but mm. again, you have to remember, it's now entered the the cultural consciousness that if you know you freeze frame, there they are. Uh, so they did go to it, and the Imagineers have taken that and run with it, and want to go with this concept of well, if they threw open the doors for you know again some sort of event at Arendelle, and they they invite the other princesses, they would show. And, and, and again, look, I'm not going to lie to you. This is not, <laughs> nobody's doing this from purity of heart. You know, it's, it's the, you know, because there's money to be made. All right. You know, that there's, you know, you can absolutely bet in much the same way that if you go to the summer, who's, uh, you know, that, that, and you, you have your wonderful personal encounter with Anna and Elsa, you still exit through the gift shop, you know, and, and whatever they do. In Arendelle for this multi-princess coming to visit event, you'll exit through a gift shop. This is about making money. And I, boy, I, whenever I do that, I get Disney fans mad because, you know, it's just, but it is, it's a business, you know, it, it, it this has always been a business. Uh, and it will especially, you know, continue to be a business when you're spending $1.4 billion on three new lands for Walt Disney Studios Paris. They're, they're going to want to make that money back. They're not building that because we are especially kind of heart, you know, and, and, you know, and we feel bad that we built this park on the cheap when we opened it in 2002, you know, um, 
you know, this is this is about you know making, uh, you know, making Disneyland Paris the sort of resort where, you know, now when these when these three lands open up, you can't do Walt Disney Paris in a day anymore. You can't, you know, you can't do. Uh, you know the the Disneyland Paris next door, which these days most people believe you need at least two days to do properly, yeah. and then sort of shoehorning a quick trip over to the studios. Now you know you're you're going to have to think about. Geez, I guess I need to do budget and plan to be there for three or four days. Um, so again, sorry, it it is about getting in your wallet, folks. You know, I, you know, I can't. You know, imagination, wonder, magic, money. So you've got to, you've got to spend money to make money. Um, well, yeah, when they're spending a lot of money to get your money, so it's true. They well, they didn't spend that much money to get my shares out of me. That's for sure. They got those uh, very much on the cheap. Um, yeah. P Dubs, I know that um, you had some more kind of marvelly questions. Yeah. First of all, before we move away from from Disneyland Paris and talking about people spending their money, the the announcement that they're also redoing the Disney Village as well. Ooh, um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. whether that's going to be a complete retheme like Disney Springs has been, or whether it's just going to be another refresh of of what they've already got. Oh boy. Um. Okay. That side of this equation is still kind of in magic eight ball territory. Um, you, you have to understand that that initially what was driving the design of what they were going to do for uh, Disneyland Paris was what they had done in Shanghai, the Disney Town thing, uh, their retail area right outside of the park. Uh, but that's been such a disaster. Um, I don't know if you, you, for example, heard about, they built a brand new Broadway quality stage and then brought over a full company of the, the Broadway, you know, show of, of the Lion King, the one that's been running New York for 20 years and multi, you know, multi-billion dollar earner worldwide. And that closed within six months because... Yeah, that that they totally miscalculated. The Chinese did not, you know, want to go to a Broadway show when there was a giant theme park right next door, and and they've had a lot of the same issue with the initial selection of stores. So there's there's been kind of a you know a, a, you know a, a hammering on the brakes, a rethink of you know what should we do for Paris, and there's a, I mean there's a lot of decisions being made, whether or not, for example, Buffalo Bill's gonna survive for another decade or you know um you know just it's it it's trying to get a sense of what people genuinely want uh and i for example they've just opened in both anaheim in uh in in orlando uh in 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 anaheim it's in downtown disney in in orlando it's disney springs but the void uh that star wars experience yes um but there's also one in London, you know, and yes. and so and Disney has bought a sizable chunk of that company and will probably swallow the rest shortly. Uh, so, you know, there's been some discussion about, you know, should we get the void in there as quickly as possible, especially out ahead of of Batu? Um, and, and, you know, again, it, it's also sort of getting a sense of 
Uh, there's a number of ideas that have been tried at Disney Springs that, uh, you know, they've just opened the Edison there, which is, you know, in, 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 you know, built inside of the bones of the Adventurers Club. Um, and, you know, that hasn't been quite as successful as I think they'd hoped. Likewise, STK right across the street has been a disaster. Um, yeah, that they're, they're definitely moving the chess pieces around the board now that, that, uh, what happened in Shanghai kind of shook them and, you know, and they, they definitely, especially spending this amount of money, uh, well, and the other, frankly, the other factor here is that when you look at, you know, for example, what's happening with the, the New York hotel about to become the art of Marvel, um, you know, it's they're really looking to refresh. To they want people to think, especially out ahead of the 30th anniversary of, of uh, you know, the the resort. That if you you haven't been to you know uh, you know the Disneyland Paris, the Disneyland Paris Resort, in a while, you know, you have to come stay at the Marvel Hotel. You have to go to Batu. You have to, and and again, it's a question of okay, so what do we put in the village? That makes you know that that puts us on the map, and you know there's there's a version of this that has a Club Thirty Three. There's a version of this that has a you know a, a you know a, a super deluxe be our guest type you know dining experience. Uh, but you know the argument from the Imagineers is like, shouldn't that be in the park? You know, and it's like you know er- everything is on the table right now with Disney Village. I guess is what I'm saying. You know they they. You know, I am. But again, a lot of that is because uh, Shanghai's retail entertainment district seems to have been such a misfire. It's yeah, it's it, Disney uh, Disney Village is quite a weird place because yep. it had yep. for for a long time it had Cafe Mickey, which was a character dining experience, full on character dining experience. Um, and this is a part of the you know the Disneyland Resort that you could get to without a ticket, and they took that away, and they just kept it as a normal restaurant and then 10 months later they've reverted back because the restaurant you know wasn't it was either getting low numbers of attendance or what it was doing was getting people booking tables hearing that that's where you could meet characters and then being disappointed because they didn't know that it'd been updated so were then complaining about because the, the the prices of the of the food hadn't changed so it was mm-hmm. actually quite an expensive place to eat and the food was really crap it's always been crap, but you got you went there for the characters. So um, that's now been brought back. But usually, you know, California doesn't have it, and Orlando doesn't have it. These restaurants that you don't need to have a ticket for, but you can have a full-on character dining experience. So um, yeah, be our guest there would be um, would be crazy. But stranger things have happened, I suppose. So yeah, well, again, remember, you know that that. The conceit, as I had it explained to me, was the notion that, you know, uh, in fact, they wanted to orientate this more toward the studio. And the notion was that, um, I, you know, that the, the soundstage, remember how uh, the studio initially was a lot of soundstage type buildings and that yes. sort of thing. And, it, and obviously now with what's going on with Marvel and uh you know that sort of thing uh you know batu and 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 arendelle that you know you're stepping away from that you are stepping away from the conceit that this is a move a working movie studio and you're wandering into a sound stage and you know having a a you know a, you know 
like the rock and roller coaster or I'm, I'm blanking the Bruce Willis film the that was there oh, the first Armageddon. Armageddon. Yeah. I mean, you know, that that that, you know, oh yeah, well let, let's go into the room that sucks. Um, you know, that um that literally. Uh no, the notion <laughs> is that if you do that, if you step away from that conceit, you could then create sounds vaguely sound stagey type of buildings out on the periphery. Uh, as people are walking up to the studio and this could be where you could do, you know, it's sort of like the way it was explained to me is like, you know how rainforest cafe sits adjacent to Disney's animal kingdom. Hmm. Um, and that you could do, you know, sort of, these are the outlying sound stages and this is where we're also shooting things. And, but each room you'd go into would be a different film. So for example, you'd have a, uh, you know, you walk into one sound stage, and it would be the ballroom from uh, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, you get a walk into, uh, you know, another uh, section, and it's uh, Cinderella's cottage. You know, but you know, you're you're dining outside, and the fairy godmother has just changed the pumpkin into a, a glass coach, and and so on and so forth. But again, you're eating breakfast in on stage with these characters, and they then get, you know, they circulate from, you know, around the room. Um, I, the friend, I, I'm sorry, but when the friend and imaginary was explaining this idea to me and it's like, how are you going to prevent the people who are in the B or guest room from going in to see Cinderella, you know, uh, cause you know, it, it, in fact, they've actually had this problem with the BR guest in, uh, in Florida that, you know, so often the people who are in the, the, the West wing, um, spend a lot of their dinner basically looking at other people's asses because people <laughs> walk in and, you know, it's like, hey, I hear that painting transforms when the lightning happens. Let's stand here, honey. And so, you know, I mean, you're sitting there eating your wonderful dinner in this atmosphere, but you're, you know, again, you've got tourists standing between you and the transforming paintings. That uh, Again, there's a lot of stuff that Disney learns only after they build and open things. You know, uh, and and in fact, you know, I guess the the Japanese have already asked, you know, you're not going to do that with our be a guest restaurant because you know we really have a thing about eating and not being able to see other people's asses. So, um, you know, but anyway, so thank you. Um, go on, P-Dubs. Um, I I don't know how long we got with you, Jim, but um, there's a few. Well, we probably we probably scratched the surface of what we wanted to talk to you about, but um, go on, Paul. Uh, I uh, moving back to to Orlando and, and mm-hmm. Epcot and and the, the the little bit of a Marvel expansion that they're getting there. Obviously, we know about Guardians going mm-hmm. in there, um, and and rumours about. I heard you talk about about Black Panther the other day, but then today I've seen that they're possibly looking at Ant Man going in in Epcot as well. Yeah, I mean, look, I, the Ant-Man stuff, um, look, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. A lot of this depends on box office. All right. And right now, I mean, look, just in the past week, you know, Black Panther passed Avengers, you know, stateside, you know, in regard to, to grosses. I want to say fifth highest grossing film of all time or something to that effect. But it's it's a genuine phenomena. Uh, but again, the problem is, according to the master licensing agreement that Universal has with Marvel that MCA signed back in 94, 96, I'm blanking the date. 
Um, you know, you can find uh, Black Panther in artwork uh, inside of of Marvel Superhero Island, and so that complicates bringing Black Panther into that park. Now, mind you, they took a giant group of of Imagineers in to uh, to Epcot not all that long ago. In fact, you know, they weren't terribly discreet. There were a bunch of people who got pictures of this group with their yellow vests going into that building. It was less um, as well. Yeah, and here's the thing that that there's this fascinating idea that they're tr- they're floating. Um, that you know, well, look, you know the the, the um the contract says we can't use Black Panther, but it doesn't say anything about Wakanda. Um, you know that it's only the character. It's only the character we can't use. But the the nation of Wakanda, the other people, the royal guard, you know, his sister. That's all on the table. And so the idea that's been floated is the notion of think about it. You know, as Black Panther ends, you have the Black Panther and his sister talking about. You know, they've bought that building. They're opening the the Wakanda Outreach Center, and it's like, well, they wouldn't just build one. You know, and so, and meanwhile, if you think about it, you have, you know, the, the entire, you know, uh, you know the, the capital city of Wakanda is hidden under that giant dome. And it's like, and there's a dome here in Epcot. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a gimme. But it's like, could they in fact do a, you know, a Wakanda outreach center where you could meet with the Royal Guard, where you could meet with Shuri, where, you know, for example, you could get on the old uh, Body Wars simulator vehicles and, you know, they offer you a fly-through of Wakanda that, you know, we're, we're, we're supersonic jet that will take you from Orlando over to Africa and will fly through the city and bring you back. Uh, but can you do this and not have the Black Panther as a character? Would people, if they, they did all of this Wakanda-related activity, would they see it as a cheat and not get a chance to go to Wakanda? Well, could they not get around it? And I mean, please send this idea over to them. But they can't use the Black Panther. But can they not use T'Challa? <sighs> T'Challa, even T'Challa is an, mm-hmm. an animal. Um, mm-hmm. But do you know what I mean? Like, if he's not in the Black Panther costume, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a bit like the Peter Parker Spider Man argument. You know, That's yes, it. they are the same person, but. Mm-hmm. People don't recognize Peter Parker if he's not wearing the Spider-Man costume more often than not. Well, you know, look, the, the argument here is, and in fact, you know, as long as we're talking about Epcot, you know, the, the Bob Chapek is, has been very straightforward about the fact that, you know, look, he wants characters in this park in a big way. In fact, you've probably seen the, the stuff that's out there about, uh, you know, windows on the world, the illumination, uh, replacement that's coming that this is the first time ever, you know, you're, you're going to stand around world showcase lagoon and, you know, and say, hey, it's time for Paris. And, Oh, look, it's Remy, you know, um, this is, you know, and Mexico, let's get a few minutes of cocoa and music and that sort of thing. And it's I, I, for people who've been going to Epcot since 82, I, this is, might be a little tough to take, but honestly, Disney, uh, again, they're competing with a certain boy wizard down the road and a lot of Nintendo stuff that it's about to happen. And people, you know, view that as one of the big draws of going to Disney is the chance to see, interact and experience things that are based on the Disney characters. So, um, 
with, uh, you know, you mentioned to circle back to the Ant-Man idea. Um, I was flat out told that, you know, they, that honestly depends on, um, how well Ant-Man and the Wasp does this summer that, that, you know, they, and, and the reason actually, again, it came up is that everyone is loving the stuff that's been done so far for the Hong Kong Disneyland Ant-Man and the Wasp attraction. You know, they're looking at how well that turned out. And it's, you know, that, that they've got, you know, they've been going into the cave and they've been looking at the, uh, you know, the mock-ups of various scenes from the attraction. And it's like, this is absolutely killer. we got to bring the stateside. And it's just sort of like, but it's the same situation. It's like, well, if we go over to Universal and we go into that restaurant, they, you know, the wasp is on the wall and the hand man's on the wall. And, you know, um, so I don't know what's been fascinating for me is listening to the the, the talk of, of folks at corporate who are, you know, because that's the thing. They don't even talk about dealing with the Universal Parks about this they're, you know, this is Disney talking at the highest level with Comcast, which, of course, is the company that owns NBC, that owns Universal, that, you know, the, the you know, all, all of that. And, you know, and, and and what was kind of interesting is in the middle of these conversations, I mean, you, you have to remember that both Comcast and Disney were making a run at Fox when Rupert Murdoch was, you know, like, I want a smaller, lighter, you know. Uh, you know, easier to manage company that, 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 you know, can, it can work in today's entertainment age. So he was putting the television production and the film production out there and, and both Comcast and Disney made a run at it. And in fact, relatively recently, Comcast sort of raised its hand and said, Hey, by the way, we are still interested. And we're kind of ticked off that, you know, our bid, which was higher than Disney's, you didn't accept. So, um, what, it's it's one of these situations where you have these giant mega international media conglomerates and it then becomes a situation where i mean do you remember that story from like 10 years ago where disney literally traded a a sportscaster al michaels yeah, who was working at abc that's yeah. right that's it exactly yeah. you know and and that's really supposedly what was going on you know the whole notion of okay so if we give you blank you'll give us ant-man and you'll give us uh you know uh get you know, you'll give us black panther where we can then officially use these in the parks so do you um, think assigning things jet but do you think that let let's say that what's on the table at the moment happens and this this deal with disney and fox goes through do you think that knowing that they were interested in some of that disney could use some of that bartering um with with what they're going to acquire to try and get some stuff through you know from universal through comcast oh i have no doubt i have no doubt i mean you know that that once disney does that and you know i mean You know, so much changes when Disney takes on those Fox assets. I mean, just think about, you know, what that does, for example, for The Simpsons being at Universal. You know, that, that, you know, uh, and that's a a wonderful attraction. And it's a huge land out in California. Likewise, you know, Fast Food uh, Boulevard is great fun in Orlando. Um, You know, a lot of stuff changes, you know. and, and, but again, you know, you, you, you got to understand that right now in the States, everyone kind of holds their breath 
because, you know, we have a certain gentleman in the White House who could potentially screw this up, uh, you know, and and, you know, that that. <sighs> You know, in fact, that was I don't know if you heard the story that when the deal got announced, Trump actually got on the phone to Rupert Murdoch. And it's like, does this is this going to affect Fox News? Because I really like watching Fox News. Like, oh, no, 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 no. Donald, we're we're going to keep Fox News. Disney's just getting the movie. that tell it. OK, carry on. You know, it's, so it's like, I mean, that's the thing you you. You know, this between the antitrust issues, between the government signing off on it, you know, that, that you know, do you want the, these media corporations this big having this much control over your entertainment? Um, so, yeah, we are. I, I was told that from when they started the deal, we will be lucky. Uh, again, and that was December, you know, mm. 15 months from now, if they've completed the deal and more likely. Uh, you know, 18 months, you know, before the acquisition is signed off on and, you know, and, and meanwhile, Disney is already, uh, you know, experiencing, you know, per, you know, senior personnel leaving, uh, because you, you know, face it, Disney wants the best possible people in charge of its studios and its television divisions. And they now suddenly have all these, these brilliant people at Fox who, you know, whether you like the politics or not, are are are, are absolutely brilliant at branding, at brilliant at at re, you know connecting with audiences, and Disney wants to tap into that expertise. Um, so, you know, again, it's going to be interesting when we get to the other side of this to see who's actually in charge, how, how many Disney veterans are still in place. Uh, you know, it, it, for me, it's been fascinating to watch. How just in the last couple of weeks, for example, Bob Chapek, the, the head of of parks and resorts, suddenly, you know, it's like it's, you know, he's in charge of parks and resorts and consumer products. It's like, what? You know, it's a, in fact, did you see his new job title where it's like, uh, what is it? It's it's um, it's parks, consumer products and experiences, which you know, again, if you, 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 again, you always have to take a 5,000 foot view when Disney makes an announcement like that and understanding that the, the company is looking to buy the, you know, or take a, a majority stake in the folks who do the void. Um, you know, look, Disney quest may have crashed and burned, but, uh, given how people have been reacting to the star Wars experience for the void and how, you know, literally it's put on a helmet, put on a vest and, you know, walk through a room and you're, you know, uh, you're there at, you know, Darth Vader's castle, you know, uh, don't be surprised if London isn't the only place, you know, or major city you see this thing suddenly pop up. Um, well, and this becomes another revenue stream for the company. Yeah. It's quite funny because at the moment, um, it's, it's been at one shopping center and mm -hmm. there was two shopping centers in London, same company. Um, mm -hmm. And it's moved from one to another. And I think that's because they were doing an expansion at the time. Um, mm -hmm. So that, I think, is going to be running for the next... It's just moved, it's just reopening this weekend, actually. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's due to run for another two months. I expect that will be extended to last throughout the summer because that would be madness if they didn't try and capture the summer school holiday market. Um, mm -hmm. And then after that, it'll be interesting to see what it it does because it's not it's obviously not designed at the moment as a uh, a permanent attraction. It is a, a kind of pop up, as it were. So it'll be interesting mm -hmm. to see what they do 
um, going forward with that, and if they do actually try and base it somewhere. Absolutely, absolutely. But I, on that, um, on you talking about job changes, I know that that was a question that uh, you wanted to, to raise, Paul. Yeah, and uh, and obviously you've mentioned that Bob Chapek's now taken a, a more senior role as such, and and that he's brought in our very own Catherine Powell to to run the parks for him, um, moving from Disneyland Paris to to covering the whole of of the Western Parks. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, just wondering what she's kind of kind of taken on. <laughs> well, I, I, again, you know, Bob is, you know, Bob spent a lot of time, you know, for example, when they brought him in from consumer products to, um, you know, to, to become parks and resorts head, he traveled the world. He visited all the parks. He met with the management. He, you know, went backstage. He, he did his due diligence. And obviously, you know, he had uh, a very enjoyable experience with this woman, you know, that, that you know, saw that she had done such an incredible job and, and, but now that, you know, his job has mutated and, and again, remember one of the reasons that Bob, you know, they suddenly folded back in consumer products with Bob, uh, was because of what we talked earlier about with Batu that you're going to have this entire section of the theme park that's going to have exclusive merchandise that you can only get there. Um, so, and, and this is part of the, we want what universal has with Harry Potter model. Um, and so, but Disney feels like they have all of these, uh, IPs that would lend themselves to this. In fact, you know, that, you know, uh, for example, they, they, there's a retail component to Arendelle, you know, the whole notion of, you know, well, how much stuff can we sell that's got rose mailing on it? You know, and in fact, I'll tell you from having been uh, down to New York to see a Frozen the Musical prior to opening the, you know, the, the, you know, they have a full blown gift shop there in the lobby that's selling specific you know, Olaf specific Sven's, uh, jewelry, uh, you know, the, the teacups, you know, it, it, all of this stuff just that keys off of the show and the look of the show. Um, so Bob, that's the thing. Bob is stepping up into a bigger, you know, what they view the future of the Disney park. And, and again, experiences, uh, you know, the whole notion of that you will have, you know, you don't necessarily have to go to Orlando. You don't have to go to Anaheim or Paris to have, you know, a Disney storytelling experience. And 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 in the fine tradition of, you know, again, I remember talking with the gentleman who was building uh, the Tower of Terror for Orlando and how when they built the um, the exit queue that fed people into uh, the gift shop. Uh, you know, he that literally that, that they were up and running for about four weeks, five weeks, and they called him back and said, you have to simplify this route, you know, because they, they had they had made it in sort of a, you know, a back and forth, back and forth and finally dumped you in the gift shop. And the problem was they were getting people into the shop too late that it turns out. I want to say it's 56 seconds that from the moment you get off a ride vehicle. Um, if they can get you in front of a sales rack, you know, and, and again, typically what they try to do 
as you enter the shop is you see the t-shirts, you see the coffee mugs, you see that sort of thing. If they can get you in front of that stuff in 55 seconds, you're sales resistant because of the amount of adrenaline that's in your body because of the attraction you were just on. Um, you're not thinking clearly, so you will pick up crap and buy it. Um, but if the if if you if God help the you or God help them that you get there by 56 that get you know, 56 seconds the adrenaline is start to to lessen in your body and you're like do I really need this coffee mug <laughs> no I do not I'm going to my next attraction and you know that's Bob is one of these guys who believes in that he lives and dies by those reports that come across his desk. And so this is all about, and, and again, I just, I, I, sorry to be so crude about this, but again, Disney is spending billions of dollars to capture your money. And so they want that money back. And so to take a Bob Chapek, who's in charge of Disney consumer products, who came into the parks and who's now circled back to being in charge of consumer products. In fact, I want to say, I was just reading about how he's even got Bob Weiss, the gentleman who, uh, helped design uh, Batu and the Star Wars uh, Galaxy's Edge stuff. Uh, now working with him on on retail concepts. Um, you know, be ready for a significant change. Uh, in fact, I, I don't know if if you heard about what happened stateside uh, with the Disney stores that they they've. Uh, in fact, they, they went to a brand new neighborhood version of the stores. They've, they've spent all this money doing a redesign. And on the week they opened their new model store, Disney bought Marvel. And, you know, and, and the thing is that, you know, people would walk into the Disney store and the giant in the new neighborhood version of the store, they had a 15 foot tall pink fairy tale castle. Mm. And it's like, well, where are we going to put the Marvel crap? Um, and it, you know, it was just sort of like they had just spent all this money retooling the entire chain. So they've just, they're doing an, a nationwide redesign of the, the Disney stores now with the notion that, uh, they now can, they can accept everything that Disney is now. And, and that's the other thing. I mean, face it, Disney right now isn't just tangled or uh, frozen. It's, it's Pixar. So you got to figure out how are we selling Coco? Um, <coughs> or Incredibles 2. It's Marvel. So, you know, how do we, where do we put the Black Panther stuff? It's, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's Star Wars. It's, you know, it's like, you know, we move that stuff over there. We got the, the solo a Star Wars story t-shirts coming in. Yeah, um, they're going to stay there for a long time. Um, <laughs> but, but you're, it's, it's funny you said it, uh, Jim, because, um, we didn't get those, like, over here, I don't know if it's the same there, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah. They're referred to as imagination stores. There um, we go. There yeah. we go. And, yeah. I and think again, it's magic and there's imagination. Um, mm-hmm. And one, so the imagination stores has that castle mo- in most of the stores, and mm-hmm. you have the key opening ceremony. Um, oh god! And yes, other I, concepts. I, I, <laughs> it, it's so funny you, you you mentioned that we have here in New Hampshire. Uh, we have a, a Disney outlet store. Right. That that still has the key opening ceremony. And um I wanna say one year Nancy turned to me and said, you know, we have nieces and nephews, you have to go out and buy crap and I need this done today. And so I managed to be at the outlet mall, you know, when the Disney you know, they threw open the door. But again, I'm a nearly 60-year-old man. I'm the only person going into the Disney store. And here are these two Disney employees who are determined 
damn, well, we always open with the key ceremony. Can you help yeah. us, sir? And it's like, okay. I, you um, know, and it just. I did it for my wife. I did it for my wife's birthday a few years ago. Uh, okay. And the thing is, I went down to do it, and yep. my my mindset was, I was on my way to work. The store was near where I used to uh, go into work. So my mm. mindset was, I'm going to go here, and I'm going to open the store. But if mm. any child comes up before the store opens, I will let that child open the store. There was no way I was going to deprive a child of that. But that, of course, didn't happen. Um, so I ended up opening the store. I was the only person there. Um, there we go. And I know some works at this that Disney store, and I've asked him that question, and he said, "Yeah, you, you'll get some days where you do have some kids waiting to go in, and you'll get mm. other days where you do have, or you you have to wait uh, mm. for someone to actually want to come in. And sometimes it might be five or ten minutes after the store is due to open that the first wow. person tries to go in. So they're standing there <laughs> with this you know giant key for ages to do it. Um, but so we we have those concepts here. But um, what? has happened over the last three or four years is a lot of Disney stores closed. Yeah. Um, they closed... I mean, some of them were really old-fashioned stores, like the original, like, 90... Like, like late 80s, early 90s version. Um, mm-hmm. And other stores were newer uh, or, or had been rethinked, but they could just close them down, you know, lease had come up or whatever. And then about... Maybe about a year ago, they started opening up pop-up shops. Mm. Um, and they seem to. Be, I've not. I've not managed to get get to one because all the stores near me are still open. But mm. when I've seen pictures of these pop up shops, they are pretty much white. So, and I don't mean that in a racist way. Um, mm-hmm. So you've got a blue sign that says Disney Store Pop Up, and mm. you walk in, and it is white walls and white shelves, and it is stocked with all the stuff you would get in a Disney store. But that is it. It is very very basic, and I and I think that's kind of what they they trying to do this new concept in america no you're right you're right it did in and, and factoring in video walls and that sort of thing so you you can you know you can be of the moment mm. um it's interesting though you mentioned the 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 disney stores from the 80s and 90s because remember the the first disney store i want to say opened in 87 yeah at the glendale Gallerilla. that's right yeah and uh, Drew Taylor, the guy I'm doing the, the fine-tuning uh, Disney podcast with, um, just pointed out that uh, The Void, the, the, the new Star Wars thing, the, 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 they're actually opening in the Glendale Galleria sometime <laughs> this month. And so it's, you know, I, I think it kind of speaks volumes, the notion that, you know, here, you know, Disney opened the first one in Glendale so Eisner could come over and eyeball it. And, you know, help fine-tune the concept, and they walked it out to the world. So the fact that they're opening a void at the Glendale Galleria just down the street from, you know, Imagineering and from uh, Disney headquarters really kind of speaks to the fact that this is not a drill. You're going to see Disney march this out. And, and again, there's, there's a reason that Bob Chapek has experiences in his new job title. That's all I'm going to say. Is, so. and is that going to be the same Star Wars uh, experience that they've got now, or because I know the Void have done other other work before this Star Wars one. Well, you know, let's face it that that they they want repeat customers. More to the point, I think that the you know the 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 long term plan here is the notion of having you know the opportunity to have multiple experience, to have frequent flyer or frequent buyer clubs. Um, so yeah, don't be surprised if you see different scenarios floated, 
uh, I mean, I, look, you know, that, that, and this isn't a new concept. I was talking with, with Mark Eads, the, the, the former Imagineer who did so much of the, the early, early concept work on Star Tours. In fact, Mark was the guy who had to turn to uh, Dennis Murin and, and George Lucas when they were spitballing because they were talking about, and we'll do a close-up here, we'll do this. And it's like, no, guys, it's a windshield. You're looking through a windshield. You know, that's how we have to shoot this movie. And, and you know, he was telling the story and how Marty Scalar is giving him, like, the hairy eyeball because, like, you don't tell George Lucas that he's wrong. And God love Dennis Murin. He's like, oh, my God, Mark's right. That we, it's a window. We can't, you know, how are we going to do this? Um, but anyway, the, um, you know, but Mark was talking about how, you know, the original plan was every three years they were going to do a new Star Wars film. So by the 10th year of operation, uh, all, and again, you know, the, the thinking was initially they were going to do just what they did in California. There'd only be four simulators. So there'd be four different destinations. You, and it, you know, you could get online and you you know you want to go to Endor, you want to go to Tatooine, you want to go to Hoth. That's you know you 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 pick that line. Um, but of course that was in back in the day when you know it was a film, a literally a physical piece of film going through a projector, which was showing the you know the the, the Star Wars ride film. Once they were able to switch to digital and they could do the branching technology, uh, that's how we got what we got today. But so, you know, it's not exactly a new idea to have multiple experiences, multiple destinations. They were talking about this back in 86, 87. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what you need to do. I mean, it's great. I mean, I've not done it. We, our our uh, very own Chris Ripley has done it. Um, I'll be doing it soon. I'm, I'm looking to go in a, in a couple of months before, um, well, before it, it's supposed to close again. Um but um, I know that this wasn't the first thing they did. They, I think they did one for Ghostbusters previously with that new Ghostbusters film came out. Um, yep. And I think, yep. you know, they're just kind of perfecting that technology now. But um, it is something that I think, because it's so easy to change, you know, this is not like changing a ride or changing uh, a big area. It takes up very little floor space in the grand mm. scheme of things. And because it's you're doing it... F- uh, you know, wearing a headset, um, relatively easy to change out what you're watching. So, and, you know, for me, I, and I want to say the storyline for this is set on Mustafar. I think that's where Darth Vader has his castle or whatever it is. But you know, again, the notion of it's not just the display; it's not just the the helmet. You know, for example, when you are on the lava-based planet, they bump up the heat in the room, and mm. you know, you you physically buy into it. So, you know, that was why I was asking. What's like so? The Hoth one? When is the Hoth one coming? And they were like, "Well, the problem with the Hoth one is you have to also sell the idea that they're walking on ice, and the lawyers don't like that idea." <laughs> so, you know. Just snow, like, just 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 make it snow. The feeling is probably not that different to lava, to be honest. Who, uh, who would know? Could well I be. wouldn't. There we, there we go. So, <laughs> um, Jim, we could probably carry on, um, but you know, I, I, I think we should probably leave it there. I, I could literally talk to you all night, um, and maybe maybe that one night that's what we'll end up doing. But uh, I wanted to just thank you so much. Um, we did do a whole load of questions 
we got through some, um, but but not all. So maybe um, we could repeat this with you um, a bit later on in the year. But uh, just wanted to, to say thank you. Um, always a pleasure to have you on, um, and it, it's good to kind of talk about those things in detail um, with that insight that you can kind of bring because you know we're we're kind of on the outside a little bit. We get sniffs of things and we have to kind of do our own interpretations and some things we're, we're quite accurate with and other things we're way off so it's good um to be able to just add your insight well, to, for, uh, for you know for guys who were supposedly on the outside you asked some pretty pointed sharply observed questions so you know don't don't, don't feel you need to put yourself down that that no you okay and again I, I just i love the fact that you know your home park is you know, your home resort is about to become kind of the white hot center of what the company's doing next. You, your guys are going to have some really fun stuff to talk about in the next, you know, five to 10 years. So, you know, you're in the right place at the right time and, uh, would be happy anytime to come back on and chat about what you're seeing and, and more to the point, what, what you've noticed. Cause again, you guys picked up a lot of stuff very, very early. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. I think we all do. And I think, that to me sounds like Jim's going to come over at some point. Are we going to do uh, a Diz After Dark tour for Jim around Disneyland Paris? You know, it's so funny you say that because just today, I, I can't really get into specifics, but there's somebody who's trying to get sort of a D23 uh, Comic Con going in London. And they reached out about me potentially coming over to panel to the host to, to talk. And I, of course, said yes, because I've always wanted to go to the UK. I mean, I've got like my family tree is all, you know, I'm a Heinz 57 of the British Isles. <laughs> and but I've never been over. And, you know, my parents have been and and have loved it. And so it was like. You know, so it's like, wow, I, I would I finally get to do this. And, and in their follow-up note to me today, and and you understand that from London, it's just a two-and-a-half-hour train ride to, to Disneyland Paris. And so it's like, ooh, okay. So, yes, maybe we can actually finally do one of these in person, and we could go someplace and have an adult beverage. Um, speaking of which, i I got to go get more some more pan- mango iced tea here. So I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to shut up and let you guys go to sleep because it's like past midnight over there right now. Almost. Isn't it? Almost. Almost. Yeah, it's, it's right. getting close to, but uh, I, I was uh, I was recording a podcast the other week to about two in the morning, so that doesn't, that's the kind of attitude I've got. But um, I, I, I can't believe you've been asked to do this before we have. You'd have thought, surely you'd have thought the organisers of such a big event would come to us first before Jim Hill, No. I I I I will bring this this oversight up. All right, I, this, it will be my next conversation with 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 this gentleman. You know, my apologies. I let me apologize for him. Complete oversight on his part. Must just been must have got uh, lost in the post. Like our there we go, there we go. Reading, go, you know, go out, go out like look that. in the box. I'm sure it's there. So, so. <laughs> thank you very much, uh, guys. Was there anything just before Jim left? I'd just like to say thanks, Jim. I could listen to you for hours, and I, I just have. It's been an absolute <laughs> privilege. Um, again, sorry. <laughs> Next time, you know, try to work a word in edgewise. Again, he breathes eventually. He's got to stop talking. So. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Jim. Um, you know, if you've not listened to Jim's other podcasts, please go and find them. 
Um, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of the show and uh, and at the end there with his new one that's coming out. Would you know when that, the first one of those might be coming out? Uh, well, I think we're recording fine tuning tomorrow, so next week. And we did the Lucasfilm one on Monday. I think poor Aaron is taking the machete to it now. Um, so hopefully that'll be an edited form soon. I <laughs> short answer. No, I have no idea. But you know, <laughs> soon. Soon. soon there we yeah. go there we go all right we'll, we'll try and let you know when they come out and if you let us know when they have dropped we'll um we'll, we'll um send uh we'll retreat those for you so um you know let people know very gracious. Out. so thank you no thank you very much for your time uh and uh yeah thank you for, for listening and uh we will all see you soon for another tis after dark he's mary poppins y'all <laughs> i am <laughs> Uh, and from that's Wakanda. A, that's a whole nother thing. Hello there, dear listener. Now, have you ever listened to a podcast and thought, oh, I'd really like to support those guys, but I just don't know how to do it? <laughs> well, then you're in luck. There are now two ways for you to be able to support us. The first is by going to our Spreadshirt page at shop.spreadshirt.co.uk forward slash after dark network here you can pick up t-shirts for all of the podcasts that we do the other way is by visiting us at patreon.com forward slash disafterdark that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash disafterdark any money raised by buying some merchandise or pledging your support on patreon means that we can keep producing more content for the after dark network on behalf of the other after dark podcast network hosts we thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and thank you for your continued support. Podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast. Oh.